Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is Views from Midstream. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. The Views from Midstreet Podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, Lonzo Wrightsell with you. The midweek edition is here. Of course, make sure you, if you haven't done so already, if you just stumbled upon us, go to your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and download and subscribe, or wherever you get your podcasts, Stitch, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, make sure you are subscribed to and downloading episode by episode the Views from Industry podcast. We drop you three of these every single week. We'd love to make sure you're on top of your Carolina Panther news talk and information as we bring it to you every single week, week by week. So we talked offensive line in the last segment. I want to do that again here. A couple of things, a couple of highlights. Before the year started, I said on this pod, I want to say the last pod before week one, maybe the one before that, that I thought that Bradley Bozeman ought to get a crack at center, right? We've seen what Pat Elfline was able to do. Well, he goes on the IR last week. Bradley Bozeman has to step into that spot. It is his first regular PT of the season, this deep into the season. What did Bradley Bozeman do? Well, if you go by PFF grades, you talked about that many times on this pod, they are something to be considered, not the end-all, be-all, not the gospel, but something to be considered here. Bradley Bozeman earned a PFF grade of 93.2 last week. That is the best single-week grade among all NFL centers so far this season. The best single grade of any center in the league was set by Bradley Bozeman last week. What does that do? It means that the guards can be a little bit more comfortable and trust that the guy in the middle is going to keep the A-gap on both sides clean. It allows them to focus to the outside. And we saw a direct Result of that, too, because the grades for the tackles are up versus Tampa Bay. Ikikonu took 24 snaps as a pass blocker, zero sacks allowed, and Iki has not been responsible for a sack since week two. We got a bunch of L's stacked up in that. Since week two, Iki has not allowed a sack. We talked about it. In the last segment, Lonzo, they are working on it. This offensive line is very close to being exceptional. And it is one of the reasons that I've said you do not see, I do not see a fire snow coming down the peak. We have got some foundational players in some really good spots. Aquanwood, Bozeman, Bracketing, Michael Jordan have allowed Jordan to be much better at that left guard spot. Austin Corbett has been dealing with some injuries. He's still been good 
at the right guard spot because you've got Taylor Moton over there, the vet who is holding this whole thing together with Bozeman on the inside. Elfline, when he comes back, you know, I, I know there's the phrase, you can't lose your job due to injury. Yes, you can. If somebody steps in and outperforms how you were performing when healthy, and that's what Bradley Bozeman just did with Akanu, Jordan, Bozeman, Corbett, and Moton, we have quietly built one of the better offensive lines in football, and guys like Shua Hubbard, guys like P.J. Walker, guys like Deontay Foreman, guys like LaVisca Chanel Jr., when he's run some of the gadget plays, they have benefited from that. I will go ahead and say that for those of you that wanted fitter or gone alongside Matt Rule, this is why you don't. He built this offensive line with some input from Matt Rule, and now we have quietly assembled one of the best O-lines in football to line up across one of the best D-lines in football. I got to say, you know, in the history of the Panthers, I think they've, historically, they've done pretty well as far as drafting goes. I don't think that's ever been that much of a problem. I, I don't recall the Panthers drafting too many guys that end up being busts. They've been, they may not be the need that the fans think is there uh, all the time, but the guys that they bring in, like Aquanu, we were so happy about that. Uh, of course, would have liked to have, it to have been a quarterback, but if it wasn't going to be a quarterback, getting that tackle was the move to make, and they made it. And yeah, a little shaky that first game or so, but after that, man, he is... He's gotten right in there and and performed. I know that an offensive lineman's not going to get rookie of the year. But if anyone, if it was possible, don't you think he would be up for that with as well as he's been playing? I think so. I think so. I um I don't know why they're not eligible just because they're not they don't touch the ball. Uh but if you're really good, you're really good. It shouldn't matter what position you're at. I uh I look down this offensive line that we've built, right? And and I think you're held together by the three most important positions in that order, right? Left tackle, center, right tackle. Your guards are more often than not going to be heavily impacted based on who's lined up and bracketed them on both sides. If you've got a young rook, who, by the way, and we talked about this, struggled out of the gate, and we knew he would. I but, used the phrase. But he was going up times. against he was going up against a great defensive line in Cleveland and a, a defensive line that was spurred on by emotion because of the whole Baker Mayfield situation. I get it, and I agree. You know, you're right, but that is part of growing pains, right? Part of growing pains is hey, sometimes you're gonna line up against an all pro. And sometimes you're gonna grow up you're gonna go up against an all pro that's got a grudge he's trying to settle with the guy behind you. It's gonna happen across the league. That's part of growing pains is learning what it's like to play against a great defensive end, especially one who's out for blood. It's he could, he could have very easily buckled. He could have folded, and that could have been the season. Sure. Uh, his mentality the rest of the way could have been, uh, I'm in over my head, but it wasn't. He got better every single week and continues to get better. That's a fact. And and I guess that is, that's kind of the point that I'm driving at here ultimately is that this offensive line has built an outstanding mentality right now, right? They have built an outstanding mentality. They're leaning on each other. They believe in each other. The two guards who are probably the two weak spots on the O-line are very trusting of the guys at the left and right tackle. And even with Pat Elfline, who was playing fine, 
Bradley Bozeman, the guy that I wanted starting at center before the season started, came in in one game, short notice, stepped up, and had the game of his career against a very good Tampa Bay defense. Tampa's kind of in the same spot that we're in, and that they've got an exceptional defense, but an offense that can't get it done behind Tom Brady. He stepped in against a very good defense and freaking held his own. We did to the Bucs. What the Bucs were expected to do to us, right? Like we flipped that script and Bradley Bozeman was a major part of the reason why. The only reason I bring this all up is there's been all the talk, all the talk about the offense, about how they're struggling, about how they haven't been able to get there. And would you look at this? You built the offensive line. The offensive line has gotten better and better. They competed for three quarters with the defending Super Bowl champions. They beat Tampa Bay, who was probably the second or third most highly bet on team to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC this year. The boys up front, the fat boys, the hogs, the big guys, whatever you want to call them. As far as I'm concerned, I'm glad to see the breakout of Foreman. I'm glad to see the breakout of Hubbard. I was glad to see P.J. LeClean. None of that happens if these five guys didn't just put the league on notice that we have quietly assembled one of the best offensive lines in football. And as far as I'm concerned, they deserve more credit than they're getting, even from Panthers fans. And you know what? They're not going to because offensive line never gets the love that they deserve. Uh, I speak as a former offensive lineman. You know, people don't realize how important they are, especially those prima donna quarterbacks. The uh, PJ, if he remains a starter, needs to buy this offensive line something. I don't know what. I know they're rich, but you got to buy them something. <laughs> you may not be wrong, honestly. You might not be wrong. All right, uh, a couple of other things I wanted to get into after the offensive line. Like I said, I just I I, I think that they deserve to get talked about more. I think they've earned that. Uh, the other big story that came out this week was that the L.A. Rams reportedly made us an offer for Christian McCaffrey as well as a couple other teams. There were two that got taken seriously, the Rams and the 49ers. The 49ers offering a second, third, fourth, and fifth. Apparently, apparently, the L.A. Rams came to the table with an offer as well. Their final offer to Carolina was a second and third in the upcoming draft a fourth and a fifth in the 24 draft and running back Cam Akers as a replacement for Christian McCaffrey. We ended up scratching that offer and going with the 49ers. And obviously a lot of folks have asked, why would you go second, third, fourth, and fifth instead of second, third, fourth, and fifth and Cam Akers? Well, we kind of brought this up on the last pod to some degree, Lonzo, in that there's a reason Cam Akers was sent to the pine in L.A. We don't know what it is yet, right? We don't know what it is. The fact that we don't know why Cam Akers was sent to the pine, the fact that even the shefties of the world can't drop that info on us right now is the reason that Cam Akers isn't a dude I would have made a move for. There is something happening there. It might be that he's butting heads with a coach. Not something I want to do with an interim coach. It might be that he is complaining about PT. Not something I want to happen when I've already got a Cam Akers in Dante Foreman in the backfield. And when you've got a guy like Cam Akers who is not producing right now and you throw him into the mix, you bust up the chemistry that's already built in that running back locker room at this point, and then you pile on the fact that if you ask most NFL talking heads, and I consider myself one of them, who I expect 
to go deeper into the playoffs right now, despite the record, it's still the Rams, right? It's still L.A., which means that while it is second, third, fourth, and fifth, the same picks you were offered from San Francisco, I fully expect that the second, third, fourth, and fifth from San Francisco will end up being higher picks than the second, third, fourth, and fifth that you got from the LA Rams. That made me lean towards going with the San Francisco offer as the Panthers did. I think we made the right move. Akers would have blown up chemistry. He would have wanted to be a feature guy. You already found your moves with the guys that you have, and you probably have those four picks drop further back in the draft. But you're also, if you if you would have brought Akers in, you're also bringing in his money that you'd have to pay him, which you're not having to do uh, in this other deal where they let McCaffrey go to San Francisco. So that frees up some money to do something somewhere else because there's still time. The Panthers can still bring somebody else in. And the question is, you didn't want that other running back. And obviously the reason why is because you believed in the running backs that you have right now, which you hovered and with uh, uh, Foreman. And and to their credit, they were right. At least one game so far, the two guys you got uh, are pretty good. So the question is that with that money that you saved, who should they bring in? What position do you think the Panthers should try to to bring in, if any? As of right now, uh, you know, I, maybe a receiver. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you need. I don't think you need. I mean, to bring you got in a rid receiver. of you got rid of your number two, and no one's no one stood out as a number two yet. But it's still early on. Someone can step up and and be that number two. Uh, do you bring in more defense? I mean, what do you do? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, you've had a lot of defensive injuries. I think maybe you could build some depth there. But again, the question's going to be now, how do I do this without a trade? I don't want to trade anybody. I mean, if I, if, if, as, as, and I'm going to go with Fitterer's word from his presser last Friday. If somebody comes to me with an astronomical, that was his word, an astronomical offer, right? Hey, so, some of those offers for Burns seemed like they were pretty good. They just don't want to get rid of him. Right. Now, I think we've we've heard that there has been as high as an offer of two first round picks to bring in Brian Burns or to trade Brian Burns away. It's not worth it for me. That guy is two first round picks. He is a generational player and a heart and soul of foundation. If somebody comes to me with three first round picks, I start to kick it around a little bit. I start to think maybe there's a maybe there's something there for that. But What I don't want to do is I don't want to bring in a guy for a draft pick that is going to be, when we get fully healthy, a reserve player, right? I don't need to bring in a defensive back to fill in if JC's out for some level of time for a JC Horn or a Xavier Woods or a Jeremy Chin if they go out a guy who's going to be a reserve player and it's going to cost me a fifth rounder. I'd rather just have the fifth rounder so that when the draft rolls around, I've got that in the back pocket to fill a need as opposed to fill a need for this year. And now while maybe the mentality, because this is, this is the kind of interesting spot we find ourselves in now, as we talked about back in the first segment, what is the mentality here is the mentality We are all in for a divisional title is the mentality. Hey, we're going to try for a divisional title, but we're also going to be making sure that we're looking ahead to the future and we're looking ahead to the next draft. Like what's the mentality this team adopts? I kind of find myself in the middle. Yes, we're playing for divisional title with the understanding that the probability we still win it is not half. It's probably less than half. I'm still shooting for a title. 
but I also have my chameleon eye turned to the future and draft picks are more important than bringing in a backup quarterback who's going to be a spot duty guy and special teamer at best, whereas that fourth might grab me a full-time contributor sometime down the line. I'm not ready to push with that aggressive mentality quite yet because winning the division is nice. But as you and I both said in the last segment, you have to keep in mind, winning the division kind of, I don't want to say feels like, but it kind of feels like we're pushing towards, okay, we made the wild card playoffs and then we're going to get bumped in the first round because our record is third best in every other division in football except the NFC North, which is also a dumpster fire. I'm not quite ready to make that turn yet. You know, I'm not giving up on this season yet because there's still plenty of games left to play and it could end up with a decent record. You absolutely could still end up with a decent. What, what do you consider a decent record? The only thing I want, the only year that's acceptable to me this year is when the playoffs. Anything else, okay. I don't care, right? If you gave me the option. So what if they end up with 10 wins? And miss the playoffs? No, no, I want the, the playoffs also, but what if they end up with 10 wins? Make the playoffs, I don't that's care a, if that's you have. a pretty good season. Make the play, right, but again, and I guess this is the, this is the, 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 that difference in uh, football psychology that you and I have, and we've, we've debated and discussed many times. Ten wins and don't miss the playoffs. I, I might as well have two wins. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, right? Like, oh yay! You know what matters to? It matters to Steve Wilkes. Yeah, sure, sure. But Steve Wilkes staying on as the head coach is less important to me than having the best available draft pick we can get. Right? I like Steve Wilkes. I don't know if he's the head coach. Frankly, and this is the mentality I hope the team is taken to. Steve Wilkes might be good enough to be the next head coach. You know what else he might be? Not good enough to be the next head coach. We are learning. Am I, as you said earlier, it's one game. It's one, we won one game against a team that was a double digit favorite, but it's one game. What happens if we roll up to Atlanta this Sunday and we get beat by Marcus Mariota? All that goodwill's right back on, right? It's right back on. If he goes and builds a two or three or four game win streak, something Matt Rule was unable to do. Then you got me scratching the chin and going, hmm, maybe we found something here. Maybe we're on to something. But this Atlanta game is going to go a long way into dictating how I feel about the next couple of years of this franchise.